Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Have you ever wondered what in the world God is doing in our earth today? Well, as our guest today says, you are in very good company. Indeed, you are in very good company because the reality is that people are confused. Chaos seems to be reigning supreme, uh, not only in America, but around the world. Uh, Chaos is reigning even in the face of coronation rituals. And uh, we've dealt with that as well. What is God doing? Is he doing anything? Is he doing anything to restrain evil? Is he doing anything to enable us to survive in the midst of increasing evil and wickedness in our world? What? are you and I going to do in the face of all that is taking place? And what is God doing? Well, that leads us to the whole subject of faith, doesn't it? And trust. We know that faith is defined in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. And But we can't see what God is doing. We can absolutely trust what's happening outside our view. But no wonder our faith can wane because we have a trust problem. We have a serious, serious trust problem. When circumstances we desperately wish would change instead of drag on with no end in sight, we've got a major trust problem. And our guest today says the Bible is full of people like you and me who experience exactly the same thing. Now, I want to tell you before we introduce our guest today that you are about to hear a level of wisdom and truth and understanding that is so practically translated that you're going to be hard-pressed to find this kind of encouragement anywhere today. That's my confidence, because I've read her book, and I know how it's ministered to me and how it encouraged my heart, and I believe it will encourage yours as well. What a lot of people don't realize, friends, is that this program is not just about the issues of our time as we think about them, political, uh, economic, uh, even uh, prophetic. No, it's about discipling for destiny. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Believe it or not, he didn't say go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. But today, on Viewpoint, you're about to hear some of the most encouraging words strengthening, insightful words concerning what it means to trust God and to walk with him no matter what we see or don't see at the moment. Our special guest today, coming to us from California, Lori Pollard Short, with her book, Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. Lori, it's so good to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Chuck. It's great to be with you. You know, the title of this program is Viewpoint, and we say almost daily that Viewpoint determines destiny. And uh, I think a lot of people have trouble understanding that, that your viewpoint determines destiny. But if you were to distill everything about your book, you would have to conclude, indeed, that is exactly the case. Our viewpoint concerning God, what he's doing, the way he works and so on, determines our destiny and how we respond to it. 
I believe that 100%. I think that the perspective that we have on our faith, on our life, and on our God changes everything. And so, you have written this book, but I I need to ask you a question. (laughs) Why is it that you specifically have chosen this subject to write about. You speak all the time. Uh, you've, you've been involved for many, many years. You do a podcast and so on. What caused you to specifically to speak on this subject? Honestly, Chuck, I believe that this issue of God's timing, and I will tell you that the publisher wanted to call it God's good timing. And the reason that I fought for Mysterious is because I wanted to reach those people that struggle with God's timing. I think that is the issue that causes us to let go. Exactly. You chose the right word for the right time. God's mysterious timing, not God's good timing, because it changes everything. It's so mysterious to us, and that's why our faith and our trust is challenged. Absolutely. And I think we that it's good. Eventually, when we look back, I always call him the God of the rearview mirror, but while we're living it, it definitely feels mysterious. No question. Now, the title of chapter one of your book is More is Happening Than You Can See. Now, that's so hard for us because we tend to believe only what we can see. And the whole idea of living by faith in this world, fast-moving world in which we live, almost is a total conundrum. How do we do that? How could it possibly be that more is happening regarding my life than what I can see? Well, Chuck, I look at God's Word because I know that that is really the only book that's going to outlast us. And what I discovered, and I love doing this with God's Word, is the places in Scripture that we don't often notice or even hear about on Sunday morning. Generally, we hear about the heroic stories of people in the Bible. But each one of those people went through exactly what we go through today. And there is so much wisdom in God's Word. And I opened the book with Job because I feel like Job gives us a huge lesson about how more is happening than we can see. Because if you've read the book of Job, you know that as the reader, you know what's going on from chapter one. You know that the whole thing that plays out in Job's life has nothing to do with Job's fault. It's because Job is so good that he suffers. And all of these things fall apart in his life because Satan is attacking Job, and God is actually on Job's side through the whole book. But what I love, so many things about this book that I love, but there are so many chapters of Job crying out to the sky. It seems that God allows us to cry and yell and and talk to him with vitality. He wants that relationship with us, especially when things are going on in our life that we don't understand. But here's what the biggest insight of Job and what he teaches us is that he never learned why he suffered. God never tells him about what happened between him and Satan and what was going on with him. 
But what God does is so interesting. He takes Job on a world tour and shows him how big creation is and how big he is and all the things that are happening at any given moment around Job. And it's this greater perspective of realizing that so many other things are at play when we are going through a hard time. And Job ends up repenting at the end, saying, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And so when Job got a glimpse of this greater perspective, this more that was happening than he could see, he ended up seeing his life in perspective and realizing that he had no idea what his life would mean. Absolutely. And when he prayed for his friends, God gave him double what he had in the first place. We'll be right back with Lori in just a moment, friends. We have just barely scratched the surface so much. I hope you'll stay tuned, friends, and be encouraged in Jesus' name. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. More is happening, friends, than you and I can see. We only understand what we think we understand, but in reality, we don't necessarily understand what we think we understand. Because God is much bigger than we are, and His agenda, His plan, His purposes, the panoply of His purposes is so far greater than what we can comprehend at any given moment. One of the most uh, precious things, as far as I'm concerned, about our guest book today, Lori Pollitt Short, is the call-outs in the book. Now, that's a word that the publishers use to describe taking words out from the text and putting them in bold in some way out on the page so they stand out. And here's one of them. Our judgment of what is happening is incomplete until we allow time and understanding to reveal the truth of what we think we see. The next one, never underestimate what God can do through circumstances that you never would have guessed. Wow. And friends, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of those. And if you get a copy of this book, just reading the subtitles and the callouts will so encourage you for times like these that you won't want to put it down. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. We need all the encouragement we can get. And this book is about encouragement, but it's also about discipleship. How to truly live by faith and trust God amid times like these. It's a $17 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. The book, Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. Lori, why is the time mysterious? 
Honestly, I think it's mysterious while you're living it. (laughs) Because we don't see it all, right? That's right. And I don't really think, Chuck, that we'll see everything there is to see until we get face-to-face with God. I think that the part that we're living here of the story, there are so many things happening because of the lives that are being lived in this greater story. And even just looking at Job, as we talked about, thinking about all of the people who have been touched throughout history by Job's story in their suffering. And so we never know how God is going to use something, even that we might perceive as very small, that might make a huge difference in the bigger story. Exactly. You know, um, I'm sure that you have a lot of things in your life that you remember, you recall, and you look back on how God used something that seemed to be relatively insignificant or maybe even troubling to accomplish his purposes 5, 10, 15 years down the line. Do you have a story like that? Oh, absolutely. Give us one. Well, I <clears throat> I was single for many years, uh, longer than I would have liked. I didn't get married till later in life. So but... that's because another young man's uh, money was jingling in his pocket for too long, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, okay. The listeners that have had heartbreaks, I've had lots of them, but it oh. all ended up okay in the in the long run, uh, much later than I would have liked. But I think that's really what set me on this course is that I think we have to let go of our timing mm-hmm. so often with God, and yeah. we want Him to work this way and now. And uh, within a certain amount of time. And when he doesn't do that, we lose our faith. Some people actually lose their faith. They just think, well, God must not be there. But in fact, he is always at work. But during my time being single, I, I decided that I needed to get somewhere where people were in more pain than me. And so I started volunteering in the inner city mm. and befriended a, a girl. Um, she was 11. She lived with her father who had fathered about 20 different kids, all oh my. women, and yeah, she grew up in a, a terrible, terrible situation, ended up getting pregnant, and decided, because of our relationship and her view of seeing life outside of Skid Row, to give her baby up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And so we poured through adoption books, she picked a couple, and then the baby was born three weeks early, and the and it was a boy, and the couple wanted a girl, so the couple fell through. And I was driving to the hospital thinking, oh, my goodness, she's going to keep this baby if you don't do something, Lord, and prayed over this little child. And through a course of events that I could never have imagined, my best friend who had her four kids in a Christian school with two teachers who were married who couldn't have kids, they had been trying for seven years, mm. She said, I said, Art, do you think they might be open to talking to me? And, and she said, I have no idea. So I called them. They ended up uh, meeting her. And my girl, who was 15, decided with a high five and a yes that this would be the couple to raise her baby. They never could have other kids. They raised two other kids that they adopted from inner city girls. So that mm-hmm. was their God family. But, Chuck, the beauty of God's timing is that last year they sent me a picture of their boy who now is going off to college to Vanguard University on a full-ride basketball scholarship. Hmm. His whole life was changed 
because I just decided to volunteer once a week downtown and befriend this girl. And it was such a small story, but the ripple effect Mm -hmm. of that story for me to be able to see what God can do when we do step out and get involved in what he wants us to get involved. And the end of that story is not yet. It's an unfolding no. story. You know, Absolutely. I'm thinking also, as I read your book, uh, it was almost like you were telling our life story. My wife and I have been married for 56 and a half, well, almost 57 years now, uh, having met there on the front steps of the Evangelical Covenant Church in Pasadena, California, where she grew up. And interestingly, you are involved in an Evangelical Covenant Church up in uh, Santa Barbara, where a young boy, a young man who was highly regarded by my wife and by others there uh, in that church where we met, uh, had become a pastor. So you and I have a link here in doing this program that goes way, way back beyond anything that any of us could have ever thought because of the link between Kurt Peterson, the pastor there, uh, that uh, my wife uh, grew up with. So there's yeah. so many ways that God ties things together. But I remember after having graduated from Azusa Pacific University, I was at the top of my class, number one, summa cum laude, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Now, that's a very strange thing for somebody in that position. And right. uh, so I decided, you know what, I, I'm going to go to law school, but I was one day too late. One day too late. And so I had to have a job. So I ended up teaching, public school teaching for nine years. That isn't what I had decided to do. It wasn't anything that I had particularly wanted to do. But God used those nine years of experiences in unusual ways to prepare me to do what I do today here on the air. Oh, absolutely. And so many things like that that you would never, ever know that God was at work to accomplish his purposes. You know, I have uh, one of the insights in the book is that God is in the details. And I think that is so true, Chuck. If we take a minute to look back and see all the connections that are happening. I was a theater arts major at UCLA. I was going to be an actress. And you can see how well that's going. And God's plan for that is that you're not I telling us that you're still putting on an act are you <laughs> no i didn't no, think so <laughs> uh, no not at all uh, but it's just interesting how god has used that in my speaking so much and but i didn't know that i was going to school for that purpose just as you didn't know the things that were happening in your life and god is continually doing that for instance i went through a broken engagement and i was already late in life it was 42 when I uh, Mm. was engaged. I was engaged for a year and a half and the engagement broke up and I was devastated. I had two bridal showers, my wedding dress, the, you know, the whole thing. Oh, wow. And I was also speaking at the time. Uh, So it was a huge faith lesson for me because I, I told my story right in the middle before the happy ending. And Mm. I, I, I believe, Chuck, that that's the most powerful time than we that we should be telling our testimony is when we don't see what God is doing. That's what I call my middle of the story theology. That you know, if you got up this morning and you're still breathing, God's not through with the story. And I remember sharing, and 
and speaking to people who were in the middle of their story. And the fact that I was holding on to God and trusting Him was the testimony. But four months after my broken engagement, I got this call from John Ireland, who was Kurt Peterson's youth pastor who had planted this church, and he was leaving that church to, to do this with everybody's blessing. And he said, we were praying about this new position, and your name came up. Hmm. Well, I wasn't looking for a job. I was looking for a life because my life had <laughs> You were looking for a apart. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what's so interesting? And this is where I relate to Ruth so much in, in the Bible, because people told me there were, there, oh, there are no single people in Santa Barbara. You're never going to meet anybody there. Especially but Christian that's where, ones. That's right. And, and that's where God called me. And lo and behold, Three years later, after working at this wonderful church that I absolutely fell in love with and got this community, because I always think that sometimes we're so focused on the door we want, and God's opening another door, and mm. you better pay attention to that, mm-hmm. um, because it might actually lead to the door you want, but it's just a different route. And that's why, you know, just walking with God is an adventure. But I did get married at the ripe young age of 49, and I always say when I share my my testimony to college students, you can see them go, the girls go to prayer. No, God, please. No. <laughs> you know, no, no girl dreams of getting married at 49. But I will tell you that that was God's dream for me. Uh-huh. And the story is such a God story. And that's, that's what we get to live if we're willing to hold on to God through the dark mm. and mysterious times. We get the God story. Yeah. Because the God stories are the weird stories. That's They're the one the that really story. that's the one that really grabs you. And that's why you that's talk right. so much in your book about remembering. And God talks about remember. He tells the the children of Israel, remember, 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 remember. And yeah. because we so easily forget, he says, I'm at work. Don't forget that. Remember, there's a bigger story here, and it's my story that you're living out. You say in your book, God uses unplanned diversions that may appear to be wasted time to line things up beyond our scope. I could not agree more. Our entire life is the working out of those words. Friends, the book, Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. God's not through with you yet. In fact, he's probably waiting on you to trust him, to trust him more, to develop the kind of faith, the God kind of faith that he's looking for. you got to get a copy of the book, really. I, I cannot overestimate for your future faith and confidence in the Lord. This book will encourage you. It's discipling. It's encouraging $15. We'll put this $17 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check again at $5 for postage and handling. This is the moment of truth, friends. We're in the Valley of Decision. And it's at the point of our decisions that we seriously need to have developed this trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not to your own understanding. 
I want to share something with you here from these words. God uses unplanned diversions that may appear to be wasted time to line up with things uh, beyond our scope. After I graduated from law school, Lori, there in in California, Mm -hmm. uh, shortly thereafter, and I was practicing law, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I want you to run for the California legislature. I'd never been involved in politics at all. Zero. Had not shown any interest in it. Said, I want you to run. So I discovered that an office was opened because the dean of the California Assembly was retiring. He had announced it, Frank Lanterman. So I went down and I signed up by faith. Well, the rest of the story is quite interesting. Because I actually walked a thousand miles door to door during two political campaigns in 1976 and 78. God used those even though I did not get elected. It was not wasted time. Why, my wife and I have seen exactly what God did through all of that. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example... Under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're discovering that indeed our viewpoint does determine destiny, our viewpoint concerning what God is or what we think he is not doing in our lives and how we respond to it. But what happens when we force our way or try to force our way to do what we want God to do? Can it actually reverberate back upon us in ways that we totally did not expect. Can we actually force our way? Will it complicate our life? Our guest today, Lori Polich Short, says, indeed, it can complicate your life more than you might even imagine. Tell us about it, Lori. Well, you started bringing this up before we took a break, and that I think that if we are trusting that God is working through our diversions and beyond what we can see, then we are called to submit sometimes to things that are weird. And one of the examples I use is Paul going to prison. How many times did he have to spend time in prison? And always when he was in prison, I think he would have preferred to be out uh, speaking to the churches. And you preaching. think? You, you really uh, think yeah. so? <laughs> I, I I do. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty evident in his letters that he said, I wish I could be there. But he looked around and said, what can I do? The only thing I can do is write letters. And what's so interesting, 
Chuck, is that in Philippians, he uses these words. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Now, what Paul could see is that other people were speaking on his behalf because he was kept from it. But what Paul couldn't see is what God was going to do with the letters that he was writing because he was in prison. I don't think if he spent that much time, if he didn't spend that much time in prison, he would have written the letters that ended up being half of the New Testament. And so you think about the people that were reached by Paul's prison sentence, and those are the stories of why forcing our way, trying to get out, oh, I just, I got to get out. You know, we do that. And there are so many examples in Scripture. I think Jacob is our best example of somebody who had God's hand on him, but he was a deceiver. He, the way he went about it was a little more Jacob than God. Mm. You know, he stole the birthright and then uh, ran away. And then, of course, he meets Laban, who is an even bigger deceiver. I think God puts sometimes those people in our lives to show us things about ourselves. Mm. And so he ends up with two wives and all these sons that end up being the 12 tribes of Israel. But he he goes uh, to meet his brother, who he thinks is going to be furious with him. Yeah, Esau. And mm-hmm. all, that's right. And he has an all-night wrestling match with God. It's a very mysterious part of Scripture. He, he wrestles mm-hmm. with an angel. And at the end of the wrestling match... He overcomes the angel, but he's the one that ends up with a limp. And I find that so interesting. He gets a new name, which is Israel. He Mm -hmm. has struggled with God and is overcome, but he leaves that wrestling match with a limp and more dependent on God. And I believe that God is at work trying to help us become more dependent. And sometimes it's what he uses, our circumstances, Mm -hmm. to make us more dependent. Because when we force our way, as David, uh, I, you know, David did, uh, obviously, that night with Bathsheba, and yet God can use that in our lives, because our wrong turns can become our testimonies. That's what happened to David. He ended up repenting and writing Psalm 51. That exactly. Has and and the words of the song that we have often sung, created me a clean heart, O God, and That's renew right. a right spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And uh, if that isn't the cry, it should be the cry of everyone uh, who finds themselves to have sinned against the Lord. Uh, there there just right. is no end in sight to how God picks up pieces that we thought never fit. You know, it's like putting right. together a, my wife loves to uh, do these jigsaw puzzles. She, and... Uh, it's very hard. You have to see the bigger picture, but you don't see the bigger picture, even though it's on the front of the box. But as you're trying to put those pieces in, you try to make them fit, but they don't fit. And if you force the issue, uh, you're going to end up with a hodgepodge that isn't going to match what the original design was or it was intended to be. The same is true for our lives, I think. Yes, absolutely. And I think we know, you know, we participate with God in this world, no doubt about it. We don't just sit and watch God do everything. We participate, but we know when we are forcing our way. I think we know that in our heart. You know, there's a great verse in Isaiah 50, um, verse 10. I actually wrote it uh, during my heartbreak over and over again in my journal. Let the one who trusts 
in the, the let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on your God. But what I never noticed, Chuck, was the next verse that says, But woe to you who light your own fires and provide your own torches. This is what you will receive. You will lie down in torment. Mm-hmm. And I think we end up making our lives so much more complicated. Not that God can't redeem, because he is the great redeemer of all of our wrong terms. But we make our life a lot more complicated when we light our own fires, because we can't wait for God to do it. That's so, so true. Many a pastor falls into that pit, trying to build a big church, making compromises, and the road to hell is paved at Compromise Corner, and the pastor doesn't realize that what he's doing is paving the way for the dilution of the gospel in order to grow a big church. It's unbelievable. We see it everywhere from coast to coast. Uh, On the other hand, you say, your little leads to God's big. There's another phrase that uh, I will never forget, little is much when God is in it. And uh, sometimes we think that something is just so little that it doesn't really make a difference. I was sharing with my wife how small I feel, Lori. Uh, You know, we've been on the air for 28 years. That itself is a miracle a total miracle, and it's tied into so many of these other things that uh, I just don't have time to relate. But I was sharing with her how small I really feel. She says, Chuck, how many people's lives are being changed? She said, didn't you just hear from a podcast network that they actually were able to confirm that your program was heard in 179 countries last month? Hmm. little is much when God is in it. Absolutely. We have to trust God. He has the bigger picture, doesn't he? He sure does. And I think we find so many examples in Scripture of that. I mean, thinking about Ruth, as I mentioned before, you know, she was really just leaving to care for her mother-in-law. That was what was in front of her. It was a small story, and Mm -hmm. people said, you're never going to find anyone to marry, and even her mother-in-law tried to dissuade her, but she there was something about her faith, and she followed her, and of course we know the rest is history. She meets Boaz and ends up one of five women in the genealogy of Jesus because of that decision. So we don't know about how big these small decisions and these small actions that we do are in the bigger story. So in other words, our willingness to tell the truth to stand, to tell the truth when it's very uncomfortable to tell the truth could have vast implications down the line. That's right. I'm so thinking, many things. I, I'm thinking of a story uh, back in the late 1970s. The uh, One of two of Dr. James Dobson's uh, early office personnel was a friend of ours. And we went to the Basic Youth uh, Conflicts Seminar in Long Beach, California, 10,000 people gathering. And uh, on Friday, we had a break because it was all day, and everybody, 10,000 people, had to go out and find a place to eat. Well, on the way back, people were in a hurry, and we came to Long Beach Boulevard, which was at least six, if not eight lanes across, and uh, the whole troop 
marched across against the red light. All the Christians marched across against the red light. And I stood on the corner. I didn't go. Seven years later, the husband of that woman called me at my law office. She said, Chuck, can we, can we get together? He said, I want to tell you, I have something very serious to talk to you about. And I had to have somebody I could trust. He said, do you remember seven years ago when we were standing there uh, ready to cross that street and you stood there? He said, that's what I remember. And I knew I could trust you. Hmm. We just never, never know. We never, ever know decisions, even seemingly insignificant or small decisions, can make a huge difference. God has his way in his plan, doesn't he? Absolutely, he does. Now, lest I should be built up in pride, it was not too long after that that I was in the same restaurant. My car was across the street in a, uh, a shop, and I stood there having come out of the restaurant and debating whether I should cross Lake Avenue Street there uh, directly across. And I looked back and forth across the, it was a long way to the corner, so I decided to cross. Twenty minutes later, I got a call in my law office. A lawyer <laughs> called me and he said, Chuck, did you enjoy your jaywalk today? <laughs> See, well, people are watching. <laughs> Actually, That's technically, right. it wasn't a jaywalk because I was more than 200 feet from the corner, but it looked like a jaywalk. And, you know, <laughs> our testimony is built on little decisions that we make, isn't it? It is, yes. And we we just don't know how God is using the little decisions that we make to even act in faith or to reach out to somebody. That's another part of this, is that, you know, it might feel small, the the life you're living or who you're caring for um, and the time you're spending, but you just have no idea what God will do with the ripple effect. You just don't know. The greater the space between what we've given God and what he does with it, the more God shines. Hmm. Proving that we had to wait on him, and it wasn't of ourselves. So much, friends, in this wonderful, wonderful book, Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. We can barely scratch the surface today. Get a copy of it. It's on our website, saveus.org. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
It's such a delight to be able to come before you day after day after day now for 28 years, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. And we're doing that here today because the number one thing God expects from us is to love him revealed in our trust. There's a reason why we had that song that we used to sing so often, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It goes on to say, uh, you know, when we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Wow. Trust and obedience. Lori, I think oftentimes we don't link those words And uh, believe it or not, uh, for the past eight, nine years on this program, uh, pastor after pastor after parachurch leader has admitted the most hated word in the church today is the word obey. It's deemed to be a four-letter word. How could we live that way with that attitude and expect to trust God and expect him to be working us into the greater panoply of his purposes? We've got to uh, obey him, and that's our part, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and sometimes he calls us to things that look crazy. Um, and and I, I think if we are recognizing that we're just being part of the story, you know, before the break, you were talking about remembering. And mm-hmm. I think one of the other aspects of remembering that's really important is what we remember, because there mm-hmm. is a, a, something that we do with the good old days that we don't always remember everything that happened exactly the way it happened. And mm-hmm. I think that is so important for our faith. And for instance, with the Israelites, you know, they watched the sea part, they watched themselves get rescued, and yet a month and a half later, they're not singing their songs about the rescue anymore. And they're looking back at Egypt, where they were slaves, mm-hmm. and saying, if only we could go back to Egypt, where we sat around and ate pots of meat. That's literally <laughs> a verse in Scripture. And so something happened to their memory, and what I maintain is that sometimes the current stress that we're under can undermine our memories of what God has done. And that is why it is so important for us to write down and remember and sing and attend church and be around other believers and remind ourselves of this God that is at work, even if we don't see what he's doing. Periodically, my wife uh, and I make an opportunity uh, in the quietness of the moment to go back and remember, to remember Mm -hmm. so many different things. Even going back to Santa Barbara where... I took her during one of our dates in my little convertible, uh, drove up there, and we skated there along the beach and so on. But that was a nice thing to remember. But yeah. we remember the mighty acts of God. That's what we're really focusing on, the things because where God that, worked us. That's right. And that's what gives you the courage to live by faith, to trust God. When you don't see what he's doing, you look back and remember what he has done. You know, the Israelites had a practice of building stone altars, which were just piles of yep. stone. You know what we and called those in mountaineering terms? Cairns, C-A-I-R-N-S, and you'll find them all over the Sierra Nevada where I hiked and climbed. And it's so beautiful because then other Israelites would walk by and they'd see these piles of stones and they would know that God had been in that place. And it reminded other people, it encouraged other people 
because of these stones. And so, you know, where where are our stones? For me, it's my journals. I, I have a box of journals. I always journal. But for other people, it's other things. But you need a place where you remember. I mean, even Jesus, through communion, uh, that is our remembering, remembering what Jesus has done. That is such a huge word in Scripture. And I think it's because we're forgetful people. Yeah. You know, there's another aspect here that we haven't touched on, uh, except maybe by implication. And that is most of what we call discipleship is delivering information. Information about God. But that isn't what God's after. What he's really after is the knowledge of God, not knowledge about God. And we've missed that. And so it becomes more like a catechism kind of a thing. We learn certain things. 12 or 13-year-olds go through a catechism or whatever they call it. Uh, And my wife did that. She reports to me what happened there with Kurt Peterson, your friend, (laughs) uh, there at the Evangelical Covenant Church in California. And uh, But what God is really looking for is the knowledge of him. He wants us to know him. And the reason he wants us to know him is so that we understand the reality of his ability so we can trust him. So you say in your book, we don't grow in our ability to explain God. We grow in our ability to trust him. Absolutely true. Yes. Well, think about it. Jesus, when he called disciples, said, follow me. He didn't say, I've got a class I want you to go through and learn these things. No, (laughs) it was a relationship. And I think we are constantly getting to know this God who is in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, who's leading us. And we are learning through his word, for sure. That's a big part of it. But that's not all that there is. It's not about information. It's about relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have the experience of following him or trusting him in an area that you do not have the strength on your own to do, that's when you get to know God, because you see the power of God coming through or doing something in terms of helping you that's supernatural. And that experience continues to build your relationship because we can't see him. He's invisible. So we have to have these experiences with him that causes us to trust him. And it takes years. Absolutely. It's a lifetime. It's a lifetime. And there is no testimony without a test. That's right. That's right. There has to be a test to have a testimony. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, we look back. My wife and I look back at so many of these tests over time, and uh, we see what God did as a result of those tests and how we responded to them. And every once in a while, he protected us against our own decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and we could spend a whole hour talking about that. But That's uh, right. you know, I'm thinking about uh, a fellow by the name of Andre Crouch. He had a group called Andre Crouch and the Disciples back in the 1970s there in California. And he penned a song called Through It All, Through It All, I've Learned to Trust in Jesus, 
I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. We've got to go through something in order to realize that we're trusting God, don't we? Absolutely. And sometimes we have experiences of not trusting him that causes us to trust him more. Because well, you you mean you have those experiences? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that we, you know, as much as I have seen God, and I think the only benefit to growing older is that you see so much more of what God was doing. And even some stories you thought were one thing ended up being another thing altogether. Mm-hmm. I think that we realize God's work um, the older we get until we go to be with the Lord. But there are still times where I question and doubt and, you know, wake up with, oh, gosh, how's this going to work out and how's this Mm going to happen? It's Mm -hmm. in our nature to worry. And that's why these tips of how to remember, of how to reestablish that relationship, of how to watch what God is doing, to track what God is doing, to keep track of what God is doing, and recognize that He is at work even when you can't see what He's doing. And the company we keep can determine our destiny, can't it? Mm. Bad yes, associations is- corrupt good manners, the Scripture says. And uh, if we really want to walk by faith, and if we really want to trust God, we better be uh, dealing at, at least in a major way with people who do. In community. In community. You know, I give a couple examples of a a bad community would be the community where they were about to go into the promised land. And the spies came back and gave their report, and uh, all of a sudden the giants got bigger and the obstacles got bigger. And it was like a giant game of telephone where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it became something it wasn't. And their fear just swept through the community, and they ended up not going into the Promised Land, except Joshua and Caleb. Mm -hmm. Whereas you contrast that with the community in Acts, who were constantly going to prayer. They were, you know, even though people were getting arrested for preaching the gospel, they would come back together, and they would pray for boldness, and they would continue to, to move out in faith. And it was going to the Word, coming to prayer, and encouraging each other. And we need that touchstone. You know, we, we don't go to church to check off a box. Check. You know, some people think, okay, I've done my church thing, mm-hmm. you know. But what we go to church is because we need to be around other believers to remember who God is. And we sing those songs and hear once again. And we are forgetful people, so we need those touchstones in our life. We sure do. When Jesus shows us about God's timing is that when God seems too slow, he might be making room for something bigger than we wanted. How true is that? Wait (laughs) upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, I think that so often God is making room for more, because He's answering our prayers with other people in mind. He he loves everyone, and He wants your story to touch other people. And I think when we see that, we leave space for what God is going to do in answering our prayer, recognizing that we have a small view, and then we trust that God has the bigger view in mind. 
which is uh, what you say in this call-out in the last part of your book, living by faith is knowing that what is in front of you right now is part of a story that you can't see. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. You know, Lori, as I, as I read your book, I was so encouraged by it. Uh, and, you know, I do this every day. I've been doing this for 28 years. But I need encouragement, too. I have right. to live by faith. I, every program I do, I do by faith. Sometimes I don't even know five minutes before the program exactly what I'm going to do. And I say, Lord, what do your people need to hear? What do I need to hear? What do I need to say? What is going to accomplish your purpose today? And uh, it's not that I don't prepare. I do prepare like a good trial lawyer. I do. But uh, I, I have, I've got to know that I am listening and hearing the voice of the Lord. This is the way walking in it to yield to his inspiration. And, uh, you know, Pentecost is coming up here shortly, uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit. And we desperately need the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, to guide us. But if we don't have a listening ear, uh, everything's going to be more mysterious than it needs to be. Mm, Yes. Yes, I agree. Sister, pray for us. Okay, I would love to. Lord, I pray for every listener to this conversation. I believe that you have words for them that you turned up the volume on, the words that they need for their story, because you know their story. You know them, you love them, you brought them here to live a part of your story. And I would pray for courage for the listeners to live whatever chapter they're facing and recognize that it is part of a much bigger story and trust you even when they don't see what you're doing. And that is my prayer in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, when we fear what's ahead, many people are fearing today. It's by remembering God's faithfulness in the past that we find our faith to move forward in the present. Thanks for joining us here on the program today. The book, Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. These are tremendous insights, friends. Just the call-outs of the book are worth the price of the book. You won't want to put it down. $15. We'll put this $17 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us and become a partner with us, friends. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Yes, even today. God bless and be a blessing. Let's walk by faith. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.